Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Then we'll go to Luke. Quite a lengthy reading today. Nothing will help us any better than the Word of God. By the way, I believe once in a while you may have a very short family devotional time. I believe occasionally you maybe ought to have a long devotional time. Let the Spirit of God lead you. Just seek to be faithful, but just let the Lord lead you and guide you. Sometimes we, we're, we, we, you know, they used to pray and fast, and now we pray fast. And so we need to take time to be holy. Speak oft with thy Lord. Matthew 18, uh, 1, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. And while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take Mary to be thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel which is being interpreted God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Then chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east, to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the uh, people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, a star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they, were re they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream they, that they should not return to Herod, they departed un, into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, 
and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah, was there a voice heard lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Aurelicus did reign in Judea, in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now over to Luke chapter to, uh, one with me, please. Luke chapter 1. told you it'd be a long reading, and it is. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. That's what the choir just sang about. Amen. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel said, answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed for her, for, from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation 
of Mary. The babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, this birth of the Lord Jesus was something, friends. And she spake with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. From whence is this to me that my, the mother of my Lord should come to me? That's what she should be speaking when the Holy Ghost come out of her. Amen. Verse 44. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich hath he sent away empty. He hath hoped his servant Israel in remembrance, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Now over to chapter 2, please, with me. Chapter 2 of Luke's Gospel. And it came to pass in those days that there went a out a decree from a Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And the taxing, this taxing was first made when Cyrenus was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his wife, his espoused wife, being great with child. And it was so. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. By the way, that was another song by the choir. No room. All right. Now, another words there. Verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from, the, uh, from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying 
By the way, they witnessed of it. They gave the word out. They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that heard, they that heard, wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, His name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before He was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought Him to Jerusalem to present Him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Now lettest thou thy Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people. Israel. By the way, that was a great prophecy right there. I won't be coming back to it. That's a great prophecy. Jesus was a light not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Simeon blessed and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of, again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, and she was of a great age. And had lived with, with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years. That's eighty-four years old. Which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayer night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. And spake of Him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. Could we go to chapter 2? And verse number 10 and 11 as we stand in honor to the Bible and read these two verses in unison before I trust my brief message after this long reading. All right? Chapter 2 of Luke's Gospel, verse 10 and 11 as we read together, please. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Our Father, bless thy word, long reading of thy holy word. We cannot spend too much time in thy word. We can spend too much time with our words, but we cannot spend too much time with thy word. 
Blessed we pray to our hearing, to our understanding, and dear Lord, to our obedience. God forbid, as the young Julian boy prayed, that we be just hearers and not doers of Thy Word. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to uh, serve notice on you this morning that this birth of the Lord Jesus Christ was prophesied right from Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 when He said that the serpent shall bruise His heel, but His heel shall or bruise the head of the woman. And then it says the seed of the woman, but the heel of our Savior will bruise the head of the serpent. Our lovely Savior at Calvary, He defeated the devil. I want you to know the devil was already defeated in the mind of God before Calvary ever took place, though. He was a defeated foe from the very beginning when he started to exalt himself above the throne of God and said, I will uh, exalt my throne in the sides of the north. I'll bring God down. And God said, you think you'll bring me down? No one will bring me down. And he threw him and a third of the angels out of heaven. And if you go to hell and follow the devil and his angels, you're a fool. You're following one who tried to go against the very Creator of the whole universe. And he went against his own Creator for, for Lucifer, the son of the morning, Satan. He was a created being. Ever since he sinned and then man sinned, man has always been exalting himself against God. Terrible. Disobedience to the Word of God. From the very beginning, though, there was this matter that Christ was going to come. And it was prophesied. Every lamb that was taken up by the and brought to the door of the tabernacle and put on the brazen altar by the priests, and as they took the throat of the animal and probably slit the throat, and the, the blood went down into the basin, and they took that sacrifice, this was a type of the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And all the they told it over and over again that, that one day God's going to send a Savior. And He's going to deliver Israel. He's going to deliver His people. And so when Jesus finally came, they thought He was going to deliver them from the tyranny of Rome. But instead, He was going to deliver them from the tyranny of their wicked sin and their captivity to sin. He came to save us from our sins. Not from the temporal punishments by the Caesars and so forth. By our government. We need to keep that in mind today. God's able to lift up presidents and take them down. He's, a lot, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. All we need to do is just keep praying about things. But I'll tell you, all the way through the ages, and then finally this day comes. This is kind of the center, this is kind of the center day. You think about this now, just 33 years. Jesus lived to be about 33 or 33 and a half years. And, and that's, I mean, all of... The whole creation is centered around Him. Who God the Father sent. And by the way, we need to see that that was twice mentioned in our reading that He was virgin born. No one else had ever been virgin born. No one else ever will be virgin born. For the virgin birth was a glorious miracle by God Almighty. Mary had never been touched by a man. In fact, the Bible says in our reading that Joseph didn't even touch her until after she brought Jesus forth, and then he took her to be his wife in reality. See, they had this betrothal time, this espousal time, when uh, a woman was promised 
to a man. And they could check and make sure she was pure and clean. And here Joseph finds her with child and was minded to put her away, to divorce her privately. And the angel came back and said, Fear not to take Mary to be thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. This is the, the Messiah. This is the Savior of the world that's been promised all the way from Adam and Eve. This is the one. And I think Joseph said, Oh, if he's the one, I guess I'll just do what I'm told. And I'll bear the reproach of all those people who will say that, that Jesus was born of fornication. When he was not born of fornication, he was born of God. He's the Son of God. Amen. I'll tell you, hallelujah, Jesus is, was, and forever will be the virgin-born Son of God. He's God in the flesh. All, all these others, they, they, they mean nothing to me compared to my Lord Jesus Christ. Confucius is dead and Mohammed is dead, but my Savior ever liveth to make intercession for me. They came to the empty tomb and they said, He is not here, He is risen. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. The song He lives says. But I'm glad for His birth. He who was the God-man in eternity, who was there in the councils of eternity with God the Father and God the Holy Ghost, who is he actually created the whole world, the Lord Jesus Christ. He and the Father decided that He would come in the form of a baby boy and be born in a, and in a manger. You know, that's the place where a lamb ought to be born. Amen? He's the Lamb of God. He was born in a stable. There was no room in the inn, but praise God, there's room in my heart for Him. Amen. There's room in our church for our Jesus. There's room at our family altar for my Savior. There's room in my personal devotions for Christ to come and speak to me and work in my heart. Oh, that you'd have room for Him, young man, young lady. Why do you have no room for Jesus in your heart this morning? You have room for everything else. You have room for entertainment. You have room for pleasure. You have room for the praises of people. And you have no room for Christ. Shame on you. Why don't you read your Bible? Why don't you pray? Do you think it's a waste of time? Why don't you come to church expecting a blessing? So I didn't expect to get rebuked on, on Christmas Sunday morning. Well, it's just in order around this place. I mean, why don't you love Him more, Christian? Why don't we read His Word more? I remember when I first got saved. I tell you, I hated to read. It was a miracle of miracles. And I was reading my Bible. They told me to read in John's Gospel. And I, I just I couldn't even pronounce the words or nothing. I was the most pitiful reader. And yet I just lived in the book. And I've been living in it for over 40 years. Why? Because God called me to preach? No! Because God saved my soul! And He puts in the heart of every believer a love for His Word! If you don't have a desire for the Bible and the truth in God's Word, something's wrong with you! You better check up and find out if you've been born again. 
You don't have a desire to come to church and hear the preaching of the Word of God and allow everything else to be a primary and have a preeminence over the preaching services and the worship of Christ. Something's wrong with you. In your heart, something's wrong. When I first got saved, I said, everybody ought to be like me. Then I went a little while after that and I said, well, no, I guess they ought not be as wound up and crazy as me because God called me to preach. But I'm back to my original again. When you get saved, you're going to be different. It doesn't mean you're going to be... I'll tell you, it says that when, when she came to Christ, Anna, what did she do when she saw Christ? And she'd already been praying and fasting, but she went to all her friends and said, everybody in Jerusalem said, he's the one. By the way, you notice all the way through our reading there, the great joy the great joy that Christ brings. I think the the word joy to the world, the song joy to the world, it's in order. Because I'll tell you, Christ, He is the one. He even says about, what did Mary say? My soul doth rejoice in God my Savior. And then, what does it say? It says the babe leaped John the Baptist six months older than Jesus in the womb of Elizabeth. And Mary comes in and says, says her salutation and the baby uh, the baby John the Baptist he leaps for joy at the presence not of Mary but of the Christ in Mary joy and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Ghost you get around Jesus you get filled with the right the right spirit even the wise men who came so far from the east you know what it said it says that when they saw the star again, they re- rejoiced with exceeding joy. Great joy. Exceeding great joy. They said, there's the star we've been following. Ah, it's back again. We don't need Herod. We've got the star again. Praise God. Jesus, he's the, he's the star of all. Amen. In our age of superstars. Super everything. Supersized French fries and supersized everything. Praise God. He's the star of all stars. And they saw his star were exceeding joy. They came there and brought their gifts to Jesus. I'll tell you what, joy in your heart at the presence of the the Son of God, the Lamb of God, will cause you to want to give something to Him. To give yourself to Him if you have no money. Poor people can please God too. If you don't have a thing to give to the Lord, you can say, Lord, I'll give you my my whole body and everything, my soul and my mind and my eyes. I'll give you my hands. I'll give you my feet. I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything, Lord. He gave us life to begin with. What's such a great thing to give ourselves back to the Lord? And because other people don't give themselves to the Lord, they they call you crazy, religious nuts. What do you do? Want to go and live at the church? That's what I wanted to do after I got saved. I loved it around the church house. I just wanted to go and live there. That's That's the right attitude. What did David say? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Oh, just be a doorkeeper. By the way, you need to 
take heed to what Brother Julian said this morning in our Sunday school. And I know you had your own Sunday school lesson, but I'll tell you what. Some of you, I remember when I was at school, Bible college, and I wanted to go out and preach right away, and God wouldn't even give me a Sunday school class. All I could find is a street corner. I mean, I had to wait a long time. I was married, and I had children. I'd already been through four years and four months in the Navy. And God wouldn't even give me a Sunday school class. All I got was a street corner. They weren't too nice out there sometimes either. <laughs> the Lord didn't allow me almost till I was 30 years old to have much of, a, uh, much of anything sensible in the way of preaching. Some of you, you want, to, you want to be a preacher right away. You want a church right away. Or you want to be on the mission field right away. I, I reminds me of Brother John Metcalf and how he was volunteering to go to the foreign field. Every missionary that came by, he wanted to join and go over there to New Guinea and go over here and go over there. And that's the right attitude to have, but just wait and God will t in his own time. He'll, he'll do what he pleases. And in the midst of that, in, the t in that time of waiting, you had to put up with Mrs. Baird's uh, bread and their terrible schedule. Then what, old McCoy's? And all their, um, and the parties and all that you weren't supposed to go to because you're a Christian, amen, and you don't get around alcohol, amen. Second, and then what? Then he had to put up with uh, Coke. But finally, after the three, praise God, now he's in the Lord's work. And so God's paying his bills and God's feeding him. That's quite exciting. Sit back and see what God's doing. Well, you're going to starve to death. I remember Billy Kelly. He's dead in heaven now. I was thinking about him just yesterday and today. I don't know why. I was just thinking about him. And he was a big, fat fellow now. He wasn't like Brother Metcalf. We're not on Brother Metcalf anymore. Okay, uh, this big, big Billy Kelly. But, boy, he could sing. He'd have his camp meetings. Billy Kelly, he must have been 300, 300 and some pounds. I mean, you talk about big. He might have been 400. I mean, he was big, too big. Anyhow, uh, but old Billy Kelly. His father said, son, you're going to starve to death? Going in the preaching ministry. He said, I sure look like I'm a starving, don't I? <laughs> he said, I come back from my... He was a good singer. And he, he come back from the, the money from his tapes. And he said, I just tell my dad, everything's all right, Dad. I'm doing pretty well. The Lord sure take care of feeding me and take care of my bills and meet my needs. That praises God when the preacher can get up and say... By the way, didn't Jesus ask them? He said, hey, uh, did you lack anything when they came back to 70? They said, we didn't lack anything. If you do it God's way, every need will be met. Now, not all your wants, but all your needs will be met. And some of your wants will be met as well. Because what? The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What do you, why should you have a want when you're walking with the king? Hallelujah. I tell you, the closer we get to Jesus, the more satisfied we'll be with the life around us. Our great problem is we get filled with self instead of filled with Christ. Don't be impatient with the Lord. It may take a while for Him to show you what He wants to do with your life. I was just as yielded to Christ back there when He had me on wait and on hold as I am now. But the time was not ripe yet nor with Brother Metcalf, and nor with a lot of other people. You say, yes, but Spurgeon started when he was very young, and he was the exception to the rule rather than the rule. We're more the rule. <laughs> Amen? 
than Brother Julian. Amen? More the rule. When the Lord's... Just make sure... You know, it didn't say you're supposed to walk ahead of the Lord. It didn't say you're supposed to walk behind the Lord. It says Noah walked with God. Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God took him. Just keep a walking with God. Amen? And you'll be a lot less frustrated with your circumstances. Some of you, you don't need to be in the ministry now. You can't even handle your finances personally. Why should God put uh, finances in your hands of the, the, the Lord's work when you can't even handle your own bills? You need to take care of those things that are more elementary and then God will give you something greater. By the way, the Bible says that uh, a, a bishop should not be a novice anyhow. A preacher should not be a learner, a novice. He needs to be seasoned. Not a novice. Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Amen? And there's another requirement for a bishop. He's not to be greedy of filthy lucre. And I'll tell you what will help you from being greedy of filthy lucre. It's just thanking God for everything you have. The person that's not right with God, he's always worried about himself and how other people are treating him. They're not concerned about how they're treating the Lord and how they're yielded to the Lord. Are you with me this morning? How much room have you allowed Jesus to have in your heart? Why don't you just let him take over? You'd be a lot happier person. You could almost put up with yourself sometimes. Am I right now? Why don't you let the Lord run your life? He, the Bible says we're purchased with a price. Oh, I read this little book that was given to me by my Linda. Boy, that's a, she paid 27 bucks for that. It's one of the old books. Just a little. It's, well, it's not little. It's, it's a fair-sized book by Richard Baxter. And oh, it talked about the blood of Christ. I was thinking about preaching on the blood this morning. Oh, he said, he said silver and gold was not enough to purchase our salvation. In fact, he even went a little further. I didn't grasp it all. I have to read it again. But it was more or less, uh, it, it, it wasn't even uh, the life of Christ in reality. What it was is it was his precious blood that bought us. Whew. That, oh, precious blood that saved us. Oh, I remember when I read M.R.D. Hahn's book on the chemistry of the blood, and I don't know. I don't know if this is true or not. But he said all the blood in 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 Jesus was God's blood because all the female is is kind of she just carries the baby and all the ma uh, blood comes from the male. I don't know if that's true or not. I know. Listen, I don't know all that about medicine. But you know what? When I got through with the book, I said, Oh, I love the blood more. The blood's more precious to me. Old old John MacArthur will never get me. And that fellow down here who doesn't believe in the blood who probably MacArthur got it from, what was his name? Can't think of it right now. But uh, he won't get me either. No, because I read M.R.D. Hahn's book and then I read the book. Oh, the blood of Jesus Christ is so precious. I remember the one book I received in the Navy on the Bible. Twelve Tremendous Themes or one of those books. And it was by John R. Rice. And it was on the Bible given to me by a, a chief warrant officer who got out and started that serviceman center. 
after he retired from the Navy up there at Great Lakes. And Chief Gentry gave me that little book on, by John Rice. And I read that one sermon on the Bible. And he said, I believe it's dictated. He said, I believe it's verbally inspired. But he said, I believe it's dictated. Because those men, some of them didn't even know what they were writing. Now, sometimes they did. But sometimes they didn't. And you know what? When I got all through, I said, oh, I love my Bible more. This is God's Word. Nobody's getting my book for me. Now they come along with these, all these perversions and translations, and I say, bunk on all of them. I'm taking my old King James Bible. This is the one. This is the one I've memorized. They're not going to get me all mixed up. I've got the book, and I've got the God of the book. What more do I need? Oh, but the blood of Jesus Christ. Then Simeon picks up little Jesus because God said, you're not going to die until you see the Lord's Christ. He said, now thy servant can depart. I've seen him. I've seen the Christ, the Savior of the world. Hannah comes in and she says, oh, he's the one. He's the one. Boy, she said, i got to get out my, get my walking, my gospel shoes on. I'm going to everyone in Jerusalem at 84 years old. I'm going to tell them all that Jesus has come. The, the Christ is here. The promised Lamb of God is here. And I want you to know this Christ, He was the miracle man. That widow at Nain who had one, one son, she was a widow, and he was in the casket. He was in the casket being carried by the people. And Jesus comes along and says, get up, young man. You're around the resurrection and the life. Nothing dead stays around me. By the way, the priests, the priests, nothing dead was to stay around the priests. They weren't supposed to touch dead bodies except for their own husband, wife, mother, father, or brother or sister. And those brother or sisters could not be married to someone. They had to be close by. They couldn't be around dead people. You know why? Because the priest is to handle the bread of life! The water of life! Jesus said, He that eateth of me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He's the living water. He's everything, friends. You know what He said also? It says, He said, this manna, He's the manna. Jesus is the living bread came down from heaven. Praise God, I've tasted of the Lord and seen that He's good. Why are you so discouraged here at Christmas time because you don't have any money because Jesus isn't big enough in your life? He's just not big enough, is He? Oh, poor me, I don't have any money. I, I don't have uh, $500 or $1,000 to go out and squander it all. Poor you. You want me to cry with you? I won't laugh at you. I'll just pity you because you don't have Christ real in your life and because you wasted the money on stupid things before. You, don't, you deserve to have nothing at Christmas. If you had Christ in His rightful position, you'd be happy anyhow if you didn't have a thing. Why don't you want to be given to someone else instead of waiting for someone to give to you? Then when someone does give to you, you say, you know, I didn't, I didn't deserve anything and I'm so glad they even thought of me at all. Why don't you just let Christ be your, your, your life? For me to live is Christ 
and to die is gain. I'll tell you what brought great exceeding joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So Christ is your strength. The person of Christ is your strength. Why don't you just let him take over completely? Those shepherds, as soon as they heard the, the message, what did they do? They made haste immediately. I thought, what in the world did they do with the sheep? Who cares about the sheep? If a wolf gets one or two of them, who in the world cares? I'm going to see the Christ child! They didn't have time. It said they went with haste. said, we want to see this thing that God, the Christ of Calvary, the Messiah, the one that's promised, the one that those wise men went that great distance. By the way, there were probably not three wise men there because they stirred all of Jerusalem. There was probably a great caravan. of it's, They say there were three kings, history tells us, because they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but probably it was a whole caravan of kings. Oh, I got something from that book too. You know, when we get to heaven, you know what we're going to be? You know what heaven's going to be filled with? At least from Calvary. Heaven's going to be filled with kings and priests and peculiar people. And that peculiar doesn't mean strange. But the Bible says what? We're a royal priesthood? We're kings and priests? Every one of us is a king now. Don't you feel kind of kingly this morning? Even you ladies, you're kings too. didn't say anything about queens. So you're all kings. They mean you ladies too. And you're priests too. Every believer is a priest. That's peculiar to the word of God, to the truth of God's word. You imagine, Heaven's going to be filled with priests and kings. But then the one we're really going to adore is King Jesus. Isn't that going to be something? A whole, a whole heaven full of kings and priests. Whew. Royal priesthood. We're all royalty. Royalty. Not just Mrs. Julian, but all of us are royalty. She's almost royalty over there, I guess, in certain places in the country. And then what about our sister Strickland there? You were almost royalty too, weren't you? And then Brother Henry, he was maybe almost royalty. But praise God, we are royalty in heaven. Amen? doesn't matter if you're born in England or you have the seed that goes back and say you're of the right pedigree, we are of the right pedigree now. We are kings and priests. Praise God. We are wealthy in Christ. We have everything in Him. Don't go around like a pulper. I think it's a terrible thing for you to go around discouraged because you don't have a lot of money in your pocket. Boy, why am I dwelling on this? If the Lord keeps bringing it up, I'll just preach on the next ten minutes of all this. You should not let your circumstances run your life. You should run your circumstances. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why go around, oh, I don't have a job. Oh, I don't... Well, just... You've got more time to read your Bible and pray. That's what I used to do. When I lost a job, sometimes it's a good thing you lose it. You can have more time with the Lord. More time to pray. More time to go soul winning. More time to reflect on how good God's been to you. Because next month, you might get a job and they work you to death and then you'll be wishing you had a little break again. Don't let your circumstances run you. You let Christ run you. Let Christ run your life. 
He wants to take over. Uh, my last point is, you know what they did? They went everywhere. They went everywhere telling about this Christ. Is that what we're doing? And then I have to go on beyond that, though. And thank God this Christ who came the first time, he's coming back the second time. And he's coming back as the answer to all the Christian's needs. Won't it be wonderful to see the one and be with the one who we served? Though we didn't see him, we did serve him. Though we didn't see him with our naked eye, we knew him very well, spiritually. And though we didn't know the master, yet we were his good servant, faithful to him in everything, obedient in all he has for us. Well, why don't we just rejoice? I said, why don't we just rejoice this morning? If you let Christ have his way in your heart, you'd be so happy, you'd be as happy as Preacher Harvey. Wouldn't that be unusual for some of you? Listen, I enjoy the Lord. He saved me. He feeds me every day. He takes care of me. He loves me as much as I love that, oh, ugly, uh, what's that dog, Pugly in my yard. Every morning I go up and look at him. He's not my dog. He's Joe and Linda's dog. And we're taking care of him for a couple of weeks, and he's such an ugly thing. I looked right at him the other day, and he's just as ugly as the day I, I first saw him. But he's so nice, and I love him so much because he's such a nice dog. He's so friendly. He doesn't know how to stay down. He jumps all over me. So I can't go out there in my nice clothes. But he's such a nice dog. Aren't you glad that uh, I ought to just thank the Lord that I have a dog to, to watch up for a couple of weeks? You know what I mean? You know, you can gripe about things and say, oh, what did Linda Joe give me this house for? Or you can say, boy, I just, maybe I'll learn some lessons from this dog. <laughs> just, just enjoy life. Just rejoice when people send you. We got about three or four nice, nice Christmas cards from different ones at Christmas. And they, they, they told us how much they appreciated our ministry. And John Walton, Susie Walton, she wrote us, and she says that, she said that my daughter Faith will not teach. She, she said, I'm so thankful for all you, you put into our, our, our children. I had to read, bring the, and read the little thing. It, it was the, it's the Lord's doing, but it was such a nice letter. And she said, Johnny compares you, a little Johnny compares you to every preacher. If he's like preacher Harvey, he's a good preacher. If he's not, he's not. <laughs> oh, bless little Johnny. And then Faith, she was teaching a Bible uh, study over there at the YMCA. And, they, and she said, I will not teach if I cannot teach from the King James Version of the Bible. And then the third one, oh, the, the other one, uh, Sarah, she was around the, the people and she said that the music was awful. And she told them, she said, that's, that's not Christian music. That's, that's, that's awful music. And I thought to myself, well, praise the Lord. But, you know, she could have written back, and if they didn't have the right attitude about things, they could have blamed me for their conditions right now. It's the way you look at things. That her husband's kind of in limbo, doesn't know what he's doing. 
And Mrs. Susie, she's rejoicing that her kids are doing anything for God and love the Lord and want to do the things of God. It's the way you look at things, friends. You know? I got another letter from someone else. Oh, I don't want to tell you about that one, though. But uh, I'll just tell you about the good ones. You know, it's just how, you know, how is life, how, how are you, what's your attitude about your circumstances? Why don't you just thank God your husband's still putting up with you? Why don't you thank the Lord that, that, uh, you're, uh, that, that uh, you're still putting up with him? Mm? And you're still together. Why don't, you, why don't you compare yourself to Mrs. Hamlin? Her husband's in Korea. Well, I'm, you gripe about everything. Why don't you thank the Lord your husband's there? I know he's a grump and he needs a good kick and, you know, break his leg the other day. I know, I know all that. I know that. But the truth of the matter is, thank God he's there. Good morning. This is our regular uh, family time at Tabernacle, how to treat your husband or wife. You better learn how to treat them or you won't have them there next year. Mm-hmm. Right? Whether they're gone or they're there, you better, you better learn to talk nicer to your husband and your wife. And not just nice at church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just be nice to your wife? Thank God she ha- you have her. Hmm? Ooh, it's getting thick in here. Mm-hmm. Why don't you thank God for your wife? Brother Hugh, your wife's gone three years ago, right? Why don't you thank God your wife's alive? Instead of griping, his wife's gone. He misses her. Why don't you just learn to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that do rejoice and just let Christ fill your whole life and be sweet to people. You don't have to tell them you're wrong, but just tell them you love them. I'm talking about outsiders now. Some of us are so, we're so, we've got to be so right that we have no compassion in our heart. The greatest of these is love. And we've got to learn to love unlovely people. Brother Grab went to a church last Wednesday, a very good church, a very straight church. And his pastor talked to him said he'd like to meet me. I'd like to meet him. He's a real strong, soul-winning, separated church. Never met him. But he does support Brother Grab. Thank God for that. But he told his people, he told Brother Grab, he said, you know, our church is so strong and so straight and so separated and so everything else. He said, I try to tell my people, just be kind to the people and let me get them from the pulpit. Because when they come from the outside into that very strong, separated, yet soul-winning, but very strong, holiness church, he said, just try to be sweet to people. Because they can't take it. They think that they they come out of such a dirty, nasty world that they, they can't take you driving something down their throat about standards and everything else. They can't take it. And we won't be able to help them. He said, just let me get them from the pulpit. I'll do it as the Lord leads. Just be sweet to people. Thank God that we do have a straight, strong church. Amen. 
The only reason we want it is so we could please the Lord. You think we you think we could be too holy? You think we could be too holy? We couldn't be. We could be too unloving, but we can't be too holy. Am I right? Don't you want to be more holy like Jesus? If we get closer to him, we quit griping about our circumstances and we go out and help someone who's in worse shape than we are. I could take you the whole world of them out here. I mean, I almost meet them almost every day if you go out soul winning where their homes are splitting up every day around here. And your home's still together. Why don't you thank God? Don't find fault with your wife or husband. Why don't you find something good about them? Amen. You say, well, they're not what I expected them to be. Well, probably you're not either. So why don't you just thank God? And you children, be thankful for your parents. And if they're not saved, be nice to them. And pray for them and be kind to them, your parents. And if they are saved, be thankful they're even saved. If they bring you to church, be thankful they even want you to go to church. What kind of a parent would it be? I've got to close with this. But there's a boy at the children's home and he ran away two days ago. James. We stayed down there a couple weeks. and You know, of all of the guys that were there, James, I kind of liked him better than the other one. I thought, isn't he a nice fellow? And he's run away from home and run away from all these children's homes you know, for about five or ten years now. He's been running away from children's homes. But he, he ran away just two nights ago. And he crossed over the bell line there and he went out. And so Patty comes out of there st- still expecting her triplets. And uh, boys on the deck. And James didn't come out. And so they went to get James. 20, 20 degrees out. He didn't take half his clothes. Patty said he's going to be freezing by morning. Freezing to death. So she called us about it right away. And, and Brother Thompson and Brandon are out there trying to find him lest he freeze to death. 17 years old now. You say, well, he ought to be on his own. He ought to have enough sense. Yes, but some of you didn't have much sense at 17 either. And so anyhow, he comes in at about 4.30 in the morning. So they have to ship him. They have to tell him to go home. They can't keep him there. And you know what? They contacted his mother, and she didn't want him. She didn't want him. Patty had already told me that a week ago, that his mother, James's mother, doesn't want him. She's all in her dope and all kinds of mess, and her lifestyle. And the father, he's an independent Baptist, and so he had to, the father had to do whatever. Quitty always doing, come down there and pick up James. I thought to myself, oh, I... I'm going, to get, I'm going to get Patty to find out where he is, and I'll just send him a Christmas gift, tell him I think he's a nice boy, and I'd like to be a help to him, and I'll be praying for him. Why don't we just try to help somebody? Don't try to find fault with him. You say, oh, he was rebellious before he left. I know that, but so were you one day. And Jesus cared about you in your terrible, terrible rebellious state, possibly. May God help us have some compassion. Not just because of this time of the year, but all the time. Try to reach out to someone and be a help. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we love Thee. Thank Thee for Jesus who died for us. 
I pray, dear Lord, that we'd seek the lost while we can. We'd have a greater love in our hearts for others. We do pray for James now. Lord, I pray for him. Thank you that his father at least would come and get him. Mother and father probably split up and not living right, maybe either one of them. But thank you, Lord, that at least his father came to get him. But what a sad condition. How should a boy act when his own mother doesn't want him? Our father, help us to reach out to others.